Welcome back to this, my series of podcasts on the history of psychiatry in Britain since the time of the Renaissance. I'm Professor Rab Houston of the University of St Andrews and the present block of podcasts, which is the seventh in my series, is designed to explore why institutional provision, in other words asylums, became so important in caring for those with mental disorders during the 19th and 20th centuries and why it faded from view in the late 20th century. This is the fourth of four podcasts in that section and it's entitled Foucault and Antipsychiatry. So I talked in the previous podcasts about the origins of asylums, the reasons why people thought they were a good idea, and why they started to question that good idea in the early 20th century. I'd like to conclude this section of podcasts by explaining one particularly well-known interpretation of the rise of the asylum by the French thinker Michel Foucault. This is not because I believe him, but because his ideas exemplify the winds of change I just mentioned. Foucault contributed to a movement, a very broadly based movement, known as anti-psychiatry. It was an attack on psychiatry itself. I'll look in the first part of the podcast at Foucault's ideas and also at the contribution of sociology to anti-psychiatry. And the reason I'm doing this is because anti-psychiatry was profoundly important in changing attitudes towards the asylum and also towards psychiatry more generally in the second half of the 20th century. Foucault is a very interesting guy. He wrote extensively on madness, but his most famous book, first published in French in 1961, is available in a much abbreviated English version called Madness and Civilization, a history of insanity in the age of reason. And that translation was published in 1965. For purists, there is a complete and a more accurate translation of 2006, simply called History of Madness. Foucault's work is enormously stimulating. Any time I ever tell people that I work on the history of psychiatry, the normal reaction is, oh, Foucault. Yes, his work is enormously stimulating. Um, I couldn't put my hand on my heart and recommend you read it unless you really like abstract ideas and you can stomach over 700 pages of them. Foucault was not a professional historian, though he is often mistakenly read as one. To the contrary, he was a materialist philosopher. His ideas are undeniably brilliant. However, his text has very few facts, and those can be interpreted quite differently than he does. Foucault matters because he took a radically different approach to the narrative of improvement that had been part of psychiatry for two centuries. 
Now, if you're interested in an example of the sort of interpretation that Foucault attacked, then try the best-selling history of British psychiatry by Kathleen Jones. Called Asylums and After, a revised history of the mental health services from the early 18th century to the 1990s, it's based on two earlier books by her, the first published in 1955, the second in 1960. They were amalgamated and revised into this edition in 1993. With its origins in traditional Christian evangelism, knowledge of asylums, her husband was for a time chaplain to one, and the new pervasive optimism of the early welfare state in Britain, Jones's work is a scholarly narrative of progress, progress in both psychiatric practice and state intervention. I've listed it as background reading for this series if you're interested in following it up. So, what did Foucault have to say against the optimistic, progressive views of Jones and others? Put simply, he turned the usual story of improvement over two centuries on its head, arguing that the mad were treated worse in the modern age than they were in the Middle Ages. Foucault thought that in medieval times, madness was what he called a holy mystery, H-O-L-Y, mystery, and that it was treated as, quote, an ironic form of special reason. For Foucault, all that changed during the 18th century Enlightenment. Those who glorified reason turned against unreason and did so quite decisively. They started locking up mad people in places designed especially for them, ending a centuries-long dialogue between the sane and the mad. By observing large numbers of patients in a controlled setting, doctors too played a part in this process. For Foucault, they, de they, they classified and dehumanized madness by subjecting it to medical discourses. This started to happen in the late 18th century and accelerated during the 19th century. And it's worthwhile noticing that Foucault's dad was a doctor. So, what we hear is that the Renaissance link between order and chaos was broken down by the growing dominance of medical discourses about rather than with madness. Madness becomes a pathology, not something you can talk to. Crucial to this was the asylum. Foucault called it a curing machine he had a great turn of phrase. He went on to describe the asylum as a space of inquiry and inspection where order reigns, law reigns, power reigns, where there is perpetual permanent regulation of time, activities, actions, creating an order which surrounds bodies. So for Foucault, asylums were one important sort of discipline, an apparatus or system of control based on a pervasive system 
of unequal relationships. The mid-20th century lobotomy instruments that illustrate this week's podcast are, for Foucault, a frightening symbol of those relationships. Now, it's very hard to ignore Foucault, whatever his shortcomings as an historian. Among much else, he was fascinated with articulating the silenced voice of the mad, something I hope myself to bring out more fully in a subsequent series of podcasts about the experiences of mental illness among sufferers. Foucault's ideas are highly challenging, uh, but he wrote at a time when other disciplines attacked the very basis of society. No psychiatry. Prominent amongst these was sociology, which seeks to elucidate the underlying assumptions and patterns of behaviour among human populations. An early contribution, particularly relevant to psychiatry, came from the Frenchman, Emile Durkheim. Durkheim found that suicide was more common among urban than rural dwellers, and among Protestants more than Catholics or Jews. He attributed the former to the stresses of urban living, and the latter to the less supportive and more introspective and individualistic nature of Protestantism. He called the former anomic suicide and the latter egotistical, though a subjective sense of loss of roots, values or power was common to both types of suicide. He thought this also explained the higher incidence of suicide among single people compared with married. Sociology is uh, an important discipline. It deals mostly with patterns derived from statistical surveys, looking for causes and for correlations between, for example, stress and gender or racial groups. Probably the best-known sociological contributor to the history of British psychiatry is University of California professor Andy Skull. Skull's prolific writings over four decades propose that the rise of the asylum from the 18th century was a response to capitalism, social control, professionalization, and political change. So what Skull is saying is that economic and ideological transformation dissolved traditional social and familial bonds, with asylums becoming, in his memorable phrase, warehouses of the unwanted. Sociology is a broad church, but it's often been hostile to psychiatry. Skull's ideas, like Foucault's, are certainly stimulating. I think the best way to describe them is controversial. All these inputs from disciplines other than history and medicine have been important in shaping popular perceptions of psychiatry, past and present, and in the formation and implementation of modern health policy.
The other reason I've put them at the end of this section of podcasts is because of their focus on identities and power. That means they provide some valuable insights into the subject of the next block of podcasts, which comprises no less than five broadcasts, and that section is about the origins of the psychiatric profession. I hope you'll join me for the next block of five podcasts.